This is James G. Butler, ex-bomb disposal diver. You're finding me on Awaken the Alpha with Adam Lewis Walker. I'm truly confident that if you listen to this show, it's going to change your life. Welcome. Check out this fantastic podcast. Do the little guy a favor. Subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back. I'm Adam Lewis Walker, former teacher and athlete, now turned lifestyle entrepreneur, best-selling author, keynote speaker, and host of the Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Every week, I start it off with me, myself, and I, and my thoughts on the week. Get to the podcast. I'm getting to it, Adam. As usual, please do head over to ayalpha.com to connect with the show, connect with me, and really get all the exclusive stuff and what it's all about. The easiest and most interactive way is men, please do head over to my completely free men's mastermind on Facebook, Awaken Your Alpha with ALW, have some interaction, and basically connect with like-minded individuals. And that's what it's really all about. Please do share, review, like. Um, if, you ha- if you have been listening to this for a while and you haven't managed to get a chance to review it, please do, it makes a huge difference. So I'd really appreciate that. And reach out to me, connect. I'd love to hear your story and what you're up to and what you're doing to make a difference and a change in yourself and in the world. Enjoy this week, speak to you soon, and I look forward to sharing this week's guest. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, Live Limitless. James Butler on the line today. James is a former elite military diver and Afghanistan veteran. He was a bomb disposal expert, and I want to dig into that as well. But now he's a men's transformational coach about men on a mission and really dig into that. His bio, his intro could go for a while, but we're just going to jump into it. James, are you ready to awaken your alpha today? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Adam. Tell us a little bit, pick out the key things about your, your origin story. Like, Where are you originally from? Where are you speaking to us from today? how you got into being a bomb disposal expert. Yeah, absolutely. So where I'm talking to you from right now, it's, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. If you're looking at a map, the absolute bottom left of Canada, which is a place called Victoria, BC. And if you even look at the map, like my house is the bottom left of Canada, <laughs> which makes it the warmest place in Canada as well. So we don't get snow contrary to what people believe. You're probably south of me because I'm in northern Michigan now. So we, I know okay. um, I'm north of a lot of Canada. It kind of loops around us. But yeah. all I know about British Columbia is mm-hmm. it's meant to be seriously beautiful. Part of my origin story was the last posting I had in the military was Victoria, BC. And it was a, a deep sea bomb disposal position. Yeah. And I came from all across Canada and I landed in Victoria. And I, I said, like, are we still in Canada? Because I felt like we had landed in Switzerland. Like snow-capped mountains, beautiful fields of wildflowers and killer whales. And I was like, this is a a job posting. Yeah, it Um, sounds like paradise. Yeah. (laughs) So so you asked about my origin story and I love origin story. So have you ever heard have you ever seen The Hero's Journey? Yeah. So when I first did that exercise for myself and I looked at like how I got to be where I am right now, and I realized that the entire journey was just saying yes, one after another, after another. And it was circumstance after circumstance. Um, What most people don't know about me, but I want them to know about me is I have a reading disability. And when I was in high school, it was really hard. Like a lot of people knew things that were in books that I couldn't read. Mm. And I felt really alone. I felt scared. Um, I felt different. And it had me constantly striving to compensate for that. And so I got really good at sports. I got really good at um, dating. <laughs> I got really good <laughs> at doing everything but academics. And, and it was a lot of like a shell game. So you're saying you were the jock by the sound of it then? 
you know, it, it was like I was I was kind of like the, the jack of all trades because I also founded the art club. Oh, blimey! So yeah. I was I was a, a painter, a sculptor, and I could also throw a javelin really freaking far. So when I when I was leaving high school, um, I knew that I wanted to do something really incredible with my life. But at the time, I believed that my intelligence was shot. Like it just I was fundamentally broken as a man. Yeah. And so my options were really limited. Afghanistan was happening at the time. And I said, you know, I went into the recruiting office and I said, listen, what's the most dangerous job you have? And they said, well, you could go do this thing called combat engineer. And they do everything from diving to skydiving to um, bomb disposal and everything in between. And I said, okay, wow. cool. sign me up. And <laughs> so and, take me back a little bit. I just want to be wondering, yeah. why exactly did you go and say, give me the most dangerous or like, what are the most dangerous jobs did you like, were you into like, I don't know, like bungee jumping or were you into extreme sports as well? Like what, where did that all of a sudden come from and how did your parents feel at the time or did you not tell them? <laughs> no. Well, so my dad, he was in the air force and he actually flew planes, which is like the cushiest job ever. Cause they land, stay in nice hotels, eat lobster <laughs> and then fly off. And, uh, and he said, he's like, I don't get why. And even at the time I didn't. And yeah. after going through all of the discovery that I've gone through in, in my current life, what I really realized was like, I was afraid of being mediocre. I get it. You, you kind of like, right. What is, what is the, what are the positions that no one's asking for that people are avoiding kind of scenario? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah totally. So it was like my fear of being mediocre far surpassed my fear of dying. And it, which sounds really strange, but it, I remember just being this young kid and being like, I, I don't want to be normal. Like I don't, I don't want to just be forgotten. I don't want my life to be of no significance. And I'm afraid that if I go into some job or a trade, like my life is just going to get washed away and I'm going to mm. wake up 45 and go, what have I done? And so the choice to do that, I, I had no idea what the journey would bring, but it really came from this scared little boy that was afraid to be forgotten in the world of, of just so many amazing people. And so when I went in and I, I signed up, I said, like, listen, just send me to the most dangerous job and away we go. And then you know, next thing you know, I'm on a plane to a training ground and I'm in there and I go through my basic training and I go through the basic uh, training for combat engineer. And then they said, hey, well, there's this other group of guys inside of this and they do diving and it's tactical diving. So you're, you know, you've got explosives strapped to you and you're going to swim underwater at night and you're going to blow up bridges and wow. it's like only the fit guys do it. And so I said, okay, yeah, like that sounds good. <laughs> and so I, I, you know, I trained for months to do this and go through uh, this, this selection process. I think it's always appealed to me. And even just hearing you talk about it, I'm like getting excited because I'm just thinking someone's paying you to train you to that high level. It's just yeah. like, it sounds like you just dived in and was like, right, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And it was, I, like, I didn't know it at the time, but it was, that was where I formed my relationship with adversity. And was like, wow, the more adverse the situation, the more extraordinary I become. So if you give me an impossible task and I have to think differently, I have to move differently, I have to create my body in a different way because the challenge is bigger than me, I become something different. And so I went through this, through uh, the dive training and, you know, felt like I was doing really good. And the next thing you know, deployed to Afghanistan. And in Afghanistan, there's, there's two types of roles that you can do. You can respond to a bomb that's been found, or you can be the guy that finds the bomb. Okay. And so when a patrol would go out, it would be my job to be the front guy. 
So every, so the first step ever taken was my step. The first wall that gets jumped over, I jumped over that. Oh, and you well, are, yeah. Wow. You're there with the metal detector or a paintbrush a lot of times, and you're poking the ground. Trying I'm to sure a lot of people say this, but from a non-military type person, my mind jumps straight away to the hurt locker. I just, I mean, and that's and that's just because obviously I'm non-military in any shape or form. But in mainstream, that was obviously a big movie around that. I don't want to get you too much off track, but I mean, how do you watch that and think, nah, that's Hollywood, or there's aspects you think, nah, fair, fair play, that's quite accurate. It, it's all Hollywood. I yeah. mean, because yeah. the real like the real juice of what I realized was when you like, I tell the story and, and I could tell a story that people would go, Oh my God, like how on earth did you go through that? And I said, well, you didn't go from high school math class to suddenly, you know, being face down in a bomb right after something's blown up and being shot at with rockets coming over. Like there's not an overnight thing like that. Mm. There's a general progression of saying, okay, yeah, I'm going to take that on. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to take that on. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to take that on. Okay. I'm going to take that on. And the gradient is gradual. And then next thing you know, you find yourself in this extraordinary circumstance, doing extraordinary things, being extraordinary. And you go, holy, how did I get here? Yeah. And you look back and you go, well, it was just one yes after another. If you don't mind talking about it, what was that, that ultimately like that, that peak, some would say, uh, you know, this, the time at most when you thought, oh crap, or like, you know, this is, this is either, you say it's a gradual progression, but within that, I'm sure there was jumps and huge jumps and then little steps when there's a time when there was a huge jump, maybe like you described when you think, whoa, this is, this is maybe either, this is outside my comfort zone. It sounds like clearly that'd be outside most people's comfort zone when you thought, oh crap, this is a situation where you think maybe, you know, I'm not going to come back from this. Yeah. So we're, we're in Afghanistan and I am one of the lead, um, one of the lead guys that's going to be looking for explosives in a patrol. And as we're watching, our patrol had broken up into two groups and one was walking in front and we were coming up behind and we were going to leapfrog each other. And as I jump over a wall, I look and one of the guys in the other patrol just explodes. Oh. And it is, you know, at the moment, it, it, it's a, a very dusty environment and dust is falling. It is like, you know, your ears ringing. It's an, it's a very, it's like slow motion for a lot of that time. And normally when that happens, like when one goes off in that scenario and, and the enemy that we were dealing with at that time, and I, I call it enemy, but the people we were dealing with at that time, if they put one in the ground, they put more in the ground because they knew that once you put, you set off one, you'd start running around and, and more would go off. And that would have been a really good time to be like, yep, I'm checked out. But it was my job to actually, that's when my job starts. Because if one goes off, you got to start searching the ground for everything else. So now you have um, a casualty that people are dealing with potentially getting shot at and at the same time now you have the circumstance where you now have to be searching the ground for explosives and so you can imagine someone's just passed away um the people that put that in there were then shooting at us and so now you're you're getting shot at um i had to move a distance from where i was to where they were unknowing if there was going to be anything in the ground yeah. from that place and then keep in mind like you've grown to love every single man that you're with there. So it's not like there's just, 
there's a lot of circumstances that are coming at you at one place and it is at that time full responsibility for me like i'm both responsible for keeping myself alive and now i'm responsible for keeping them alive and you know i'm 21 at the time oh my goodness yeah i so I sometimes you forget like, like like you say in them scenarios a lot of these guys out there are young seriously young yeah totally and so you know it's not it's not as like people would think where you look and you go oh there's a pile of rubbish and then there you can see a bomb it's like it's ground that they put it under it's maybe rained maybe they dusted it over so it looks like nothing and when something goes off there's metal everywhere so you can't just use a metal detector and go, oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah. And so you're literally, you take, a, you take a knife and you poke the ground in a 45 degree angle and hope that you hit it from the side instead of hitting it from the top and detonating it. Oh and you go inch by inch God. by inch by inch yeah. by inch by inch. And it's 58 degrees Celsius. So um, it is absolutely, and you're wearing almost 100 pounds of gear at the same time. And we've already been out for four hours. And you search inch by inch by inch by inch by inch. And that day um, discovered up to six devices in the ground. And some of them were literally inches from my buddy's feet. Like one of my friends, he looks at me and he says, hey man, you've gone through so much. Let me, let me take over. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like I'm the one trained for this. I'll go. And right on the other side of his foot is a device. Like if he had just turned around, that would have been it. Oh man. And a lot of times, like depending on the way or the relationship that you have with that, people could go like, I've never felt so weak in my entire life, which was true. Or that was what was true for me. And then in another circumstance, you go, well, if I can go through that, there's nothing I can't go through. Like after you, you go through something like that and you experience something to that level, there's nothing you can't be. I was going to say pretty much anything that happens to you, but you must just be like, if you hear people, it must wind you up. If you hear people bitching and whining about like stuff back here, you must just be like, geez, get some perspective. <laughs> it, it is. And it isn't like I have compassion. I used yeah. to like, I remember coming back and I, I went into this, uh, I went into this, this like frozen yogurt place and they wrote a sprinkles and this lady was, was, <laughs> Like what? Why are there no sprinkles? And what you've just been dealing with? You like no sprinkles? <laughs> I was oh. like, you've got a bed to sleep in. I've slept in a hole for eight months. Um, and oh. I, I did. I came back with that, and then eventually went like, wow, I'm so glad that that's what you have to complain about. And so when I like in one circumstance, that's when I've been the most afraid in my entire life. And then coming back, there's also a wait a minute. Like, who was the guy that was able to deal with that? Because it was something that came from within. Like, it was a circumstance that required a different level of me that came forward. And now, not in that circumstance, you often forget that that person can exist. And I've been on the relentless pursuit to get people to that feeling and that experience of themselves and able to do something like that without needing to be in that circumstance or without the threat or emergency needing to be that high just for them to perform at that level. And it's for me, that was the beginning of saying like, wow, like people are really incredible. Like I've seen people who, you know, were completely afraid, but with the right circumstances and the right amount of pressure, something comes forward. Mm. Wow. And it is this, and it is the relationship between 
the task that you have at hand and who you have to be for that. It sounds like you, when you went into that career office and you kind of just said, what's the most dangerous job? But along that journey, and even you pretty might have gone through basic training and then got like on the ground and situations happened. When, was there a point amongst all of that that you felt like, we got, like your awakening moment that you felt like, oh, this is, you know, this is where I'm going to channel all my kind of energy enthusiasm. This is what I'm going to, you know, start performing higher. The motivation to be perform high is good because if you, if you don't perform yeah. high, you're done. So when I tell my story, people go like, that sounds like it can't be true. When I got back from Afghanistan, I said, what's next? Did you ever yeah. feel, because I know there's obviously, I can really relate to people like, do your, do your bit and then get out yeah. while you still can. But then there's also, you, you do then the people who are in there, like lifers, careers, like they go yeah. the whole way. I mean, was that ever on the cars for you? Or you because it's such a, I mean, obviously any kind of military is high risk, but I mean, particularly what you were doing. I'd imagine uh, that, did you ever think about seeing how long you could last kind of scenario or what, what was the thinking behind that? That was actually what I tried to do. Um, so there's a, a phenomenon that I work with veterans now and I, at the very end, I'll, I'll hopefully tie in how that works. Yeah. But, you know, have you ever heard of when astronauts go to space, they look down at, at the earth and the moon or something like that. And then they come down and then they're riding the bus and they're like, I'm depressed. Yeah. So a lot of guys come back from theater and they go like, man, every step I took had reason. Like if I didn't do something, I died, people died. Like I had so much purpose, so much mm. significance. The whole country, the world is watching the news, what's going on. Um, so when I came back, like a lot of guys were fighting for that again. Like we want to go back. We want to go to Africa. We want to go like Iraq wasn't up like it is right now. Yeah. And they wanted to get back in because they were like, that's where I felt alive, even though it's really dangerous. Um, so for me, I wanted to stay in the military and I wanted to go to an more elite unit and it was deep sea bomb disposal. So imagine like torpedo mines, submarine mines, uh, very deep sea operations. And so I trained for about three years for this and that was my pinnacle focus. Everything, my time, my energy, my finances, yeah. my waking moments was like to be an elite performing human so I could go do that. Long story short, I get into it. Um, 40 days after being in it, I have a catastrophic failure of my left lung while diving. And I wake up in the hospital. I've got seven chest tubes. Um, my left lung is destroyed. I had three and a half liters of fluid that built outside my lung, pushed my trachea over, pushed my belly button over. Oh my goodness. And I go into two weeks of surgery. So I go from being the most elite performing that I've ever been, like mentally, physically, yeah. emotionally, spiritually. And then I wake up eight days later or like I, I find myself eight days later in the hospital, I've lost 65 pounds in eight days. I can't walk and I can't do my job anymore. I'd assume lung, that kind of scenario, not even a question of when can you get back, that's it, you're done for that kind of level or even close to that. Can you dive in any shape or form now with having something like that happen to you? No, but they didn't know that. So they yeah. said, listen, like go see what you can do, get in shape. And this is the, this, I guess the story was, for that year, like my identity was so tied to my performance. Mm. And so I hired personal trainers, I hired nutritionists, I hired mindset coaches, I hired everybody. And I went through this like Rocky style theme where I went from like, I couldn't walk. I was in the gym with like a lat pull down with no weight on it. And I was struggling. And then within a year I had surpassed my, my previous physical fitness with a damaged lung. And my, you know, they were saying my lung capacity was at like 112%. Like it was impossible, but I just put so much focus in getting back. Yeah. And I get all the way to the point where they go like, it's a miracle. Like, like the fact that you're running and lifting and doing everything, like it's crazy. And the tests come back and they say, but unfortunately there's so much scar tissue. You can never die. 
the, the pinnacle, the focus, it just was lost. Was it, was it a freak accident or was it one of these things like they, you, nothing really went wrong. It just, it was just, what, why did it happen? Or was it just going to new depths? They said one in a million. So I had breathed in strep throat. It had gone through my lung into the pleural space and it had gone crazy. I had actually been suppressing the fluid that was in my lung because we were just running and performing so yeah. high. My face would go blue, my hands would go blue, and I just thought I was getting fat. I was eating too many cupcakes. <laughs> but, but meanwhile, I actually had a collapsed lung. Yeah. And Whoa. it was while diving that my, my lung just said, like, enough's enough. And my intercostal muscles locked up. I seized. And then they had to, to drain me and do all the surgeries. It's like the movie starts from there. And yeah. then you find yourself. And- the identity is huge. I think regardless of your environment or situation to a certain extent, if you identify with saying, oh, you've got, a, like we were talking to talk about, a mission – like yeah. you say, like you perform a miracle, you can just, you know, you can strive for that every day you're moving forwards. But when they then, through no fault of your own, gone, this ain't going to happen, it, like it can't happen, what happened yeah. to you then? So that was where, like, that was the origin story. It, like, mm. you know, everything is the buildup. And then so you imagine, I know how fast I can perform. I know what I can accomplish. I know how much courage I have. I know that I can go from zero to 100 and, and I can train to do anything I need to do and suddenly nowhere to put any of that. So it's like, it's, you know, I often, when I work with people, I say, if someone gave you a billion dollars right now, would you know what to do with it? Like when you have that much power and we're going to refer to money as power, even if I give you all the time in the world, would you know what to do with it? Mm. And it was the circumstance of having all the time, all the capability, knowing I could pretty much do anything, but having nowhere to put it. Yeah. So the very, the very shallow answer was like, okay, I'm going to figure out a new job. And then it was like, okay, I'm going to find a new way to feel cool again. And I, you know, started reaching out for different things and trying different ways. And no one was like, I'm going to get into finance or maybe, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll get into like movie production or something like that. And it, and it all felt like, yeah, I could do it and I could do it really well. Yeah. What happened was I started working with a coach and the question wasn't like, what can you do? And then me trying to fit my capabilities into everything that was around there. It was simply like, what do you want to do? Mm. If you can do anything, you know, what do you want to do? And for me, it was like the pain at the time of having all of the capability, but nowhere to put it and saying like, I know what that's like. And I really want, I know what it's like to have a mission and know how powerful I can truly be when I'm on point with something. Yeah. And yes, I'm going to find my mission. Like I know I am, but what I really want to do is I want to help other people find their thing Yeah. and not their to-do list or their vocation or their job. But the thing that like their legacy is actually built behind. Mm, I love it. I love it. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff, man. Was there anyone in particular that helped awaken your alpha, whether it was a school teacher or someone in the military or someone like the coach when you came out of it? There were two people. So it's the coach that I still have. And most people think that my coach would be like this super badass Navy SEAL. (laughs) And it's actually like she is way shorter than me. This bubbly little like, uh, like just the happiest person on earth. Um, but super powerful at being able to reflect back to people. And mm. Sarah, Sarah Khalil, I've worked with her for years. And the other person was the guy that I was working with in the military. And for a period of time, they said, hey, you can stay here while you find out what you want to do, but just keep yourself busy. And he was my job, at, or he was my boss at the time. And he said, like, man, take all the time you need. I'll be here to help you and support you. And like, you let me know what you want to do, and I'll find out a way to, to, to help you. And so it was a combination of having someone who really powerfully was like, you know, anything you want, you can have. And then another person saying, anything you want to build, I'll give you the space to do it. 
and I'll give you the support to do it. And so over about a year's time, I was going through coach training because I knew I, I was like, well, the work that I wanted to do was in coaching. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before I know it, I had built a program. Um, I had, I found myself on a, a plane being flown first class to work with a division one football team. And then I was working with fortune 500 companies and leaders making multi-millions and then working in transformative work and then leading private retreats. And it just went and went and went and went and went. Awesome. And went. Yeah. And then it's that point where you stop and you go, how did I get here? <laughs> and it was for me, the mission that I realized just kind of sparked it all was like, I believe that a mission is a concentration of power and you have all of these powers in your life. You've got time, you've got money, you've got uh, relationships, you've got resources, you've got communities, you've got circles. And often we use it in such sporadic ways and with actually no chief aim or, or common focus. And I had had this all in my life, but it wasn't until I was like, yes, this is what I, this is what my life is for. And then suddenly it was like, hey, can you help me with this? How do I do this? Um, what is this? And it all kind of focused into this laser beam that just, it just kept going and going and going and going and going. And I found my communities. I found my tribe. I found my, my peers. I, and I started building groups around it. And it was this, um, when people say like, I know I have so much potential, but I don't know where to put it. It was the experience of like, now I know where to put it. Yeah. And I know what that can be like. And I know how to put that somewhere. I haven't interviewed a lot of people on this in my own experience. I think that is the, the hardest part is, like you say, trying to get that focus down to what the hell do you want to do? Because I feel like there's a lot of people like that. And like my experience as well was the same sort of thing. You just feel like there's more. You, you know, you, if you feel like for certain men, if you feel like you're underperforming and you're not putting it out there to what you know you can do, regardless of what you're currently doing, you're just not going to feel fulfilled. And it's just, it's not a good place to be in. And so, I think that's the hardest bit. And once you, you're running in the right direction, like you said, it's, 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 a, it's a lot easier, you know, once yeah. you're, instead of spreading yourself. So within your work as well, is there any key things or process that you do to, or what you found to, to help you get aligned with your mission or clarify your mission? And then once, you, I mean, and I, we have a lot of coaches and consultants who listen to this show. So once you've, you've got that laser focus and you're at this point, and I want to get to maybe some of the things you mentioned there, what were your actual practical steps and how did it all kind of come together? Yeah, it's actually, so it's a process that I've, I've made and it's proprietary, but I'll give you kind of like the basic framework. So it goes through the hero, the mission and the journey. And what the hero is, is like a lot of people, you could even ask the question, like, what are you afraid your mission is? And I heard this at a, a community a couple of years ago and someone said like, what are you afraid that your mission actually is? Like what's so big that you're like, that's my mission, but I'm actually afraid that that's my mission because it's too big. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times where we build or where we think about our missions from is from a really disempowered place. Like we're coming from fear, we're coming from survival because that's all we're trying to do all day long. So when we think about what we want to do or be, it's from a really disempowered place. And the foundation isn't actually firm enough to build anything of value or excitement. So a lot of times people go like, uh, they try to reverse engineer it where they go, okay, I'm going to do the thing that once I did that would make me feel like I'm the man I want to be versus be the man that I want to be so that I can do the thing that I want to do and have the results I want to have. So when you're looking at the hero part of what I do, it's actually looking at how everything in a person's life has been uniquely designed to make them the hero of their own life. And whether it's um, like going through the hero's journey, but actually having like through this adversity, you've learned this thing. 
And this is why you are whole and complete and perfect for the journey ahead right now. Like you're ready to go, man. And what you don't have is okay. Like you'll get that along the way, but actually having the person feel complete right now, like not like not enough, not like there's more to do, not like there's anywhere to go. Yeah. As you are right now, you will always grow. Yeah. And I actually have growing as like uncovering layers versus like getting more. You will always grow. But as you are right now, you are perfect. Like, let's just get to that foundation. So people can go. "Ah." So even if I don't have my mission, I'm good. But there's a unique thing that happens. Superman does not cook toast with his eyes. He's not like, I've got these great superpowers. So I'm just going to make housework a lot easier. He's like, no. Like, okay, now I understand myself and I, my experience of myself is powerful and great. Well, what's a, what's a challenge equal to that? Like, if I know I can lift heavy weights, I'm not just going to go and lift two pound weights. I'm like, yo, what, what, what's really going to challenge me? So when you have a firm foundation and an experience of yourself is powerful, capable, expressed, free, you go looking for that thing. And it becomes a lot easier because everything is open to you when you've got a firm foundation of your relationship with yourself. So the first time is relationship with self. And then the mission starts to appear and you start to go like, well, what would make an impact? Like, what if you actually did it would move you to tears and wake you up in the middle of the night. And if like you didn't, if you didn't need to make money, if you had all the money in the world, like you would just do. And in order to get into that conversation, you really have to be on a firm foundation of like, I got everything I need right now. I've got the money that I need. I've got the resources. I've got the time. I'm I'm as connected as I want to be. Like I'm good. And so I'm not building my mission so as to get something. Not out of desperation as opposed to inspiration. Exactly. That's, I mean, that's a, a huge swing and you can't paper it over. If, if, it's, no. if it's out of desperation as opposed to inspiration, no matter what you do, it's going to come through your pores. It's just in everything you do. It's, it's no fun at all. No. And so, um, so the mission part is really about like coming from a being of contribution versus using your mission to get something. And that is like where I find... Um, for me, the transition from the hero journey to the mission journey is actually, that is the rite of passage. And that is where a boy's energy is very much like me, 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 me. I need to make sure I survive. I need to make sure I've got enough milk. I need to make sure I've got enough food. People are treating me fairly. Me, 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 me. So you've got a lot of really, really powerful boys out in the world. And the mission journey for me is when you go, I'm good. What is my contribution? I, I am so well taken care of that now my life is actually made, I've, I've got me covered, what is my life for? Mm. And once you get into that conversation, it is like supercharged because nobody wants, like you think about referrals or business or anything like that. Nobody wants you to personally gain. And I say that in a way where it's like, I don't care if you make money. I, I don't care that you wanna you know, buy a new house or you wanna jet or you wanna have a new dog or you want a great relationship, I, I don't care. But if your life is an advocate for something else, like if you tell me that like, hey, I'm doing this work because this is something that I'm taking on in the world. I want that thing to win. I want you to win. I want your mission to succeed. But you have to be like firmly founded founded in a contribution mindset. So once people are in a contribution mindset, like everybody comes out of the woodwork and they're like, how can I get you on podcasts? How can I help you? The, the villain of my life in my hero's journey is really powerful men not being a contribution. And so you've got people that are extraordinary at collecting things and making themselves really well off, but they don't take that power and actually use it. Like every problem that the world is facing right now could be taken care of if people were just to be able to see like, I'm responsible for that and I can take care of that. And so the mission is really like 
that's where I want powerful people to be a contribution. And the last part is the journey. So in the hero's journey, they get the call and they say, hey, this is your mission. And when people get the call, they go, that's too big. No. And they hang up the phone. Yeah. Because they're like, who am I? But they've already got a firm foundation. Put it to the side. Tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. And, and so it's all about getting people comfortable with the unknown of the journey. So like, yeah. now you've got, like you've said, you're going to climb Everest. And you have no idea what's going to happen. And now let's get you comfortable with the unknown. Even when you, they get that level of awareness, and like you say, they get the call and they're just like, they, they fully understand the gravity of the situation, but it's like, for no reason, I'll speak to you tomorrow or like next tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And I'm thinking of a Rocky movie, like there is no tomorrow. Tomorrow is not a given, especially from your background line of work. Mm -hmm. You never know. I'm up in Northern Michigan now. Someone we know within sort of the extended family, you know, he hit, hit uh, an elk on his bike at the weekend, literally my age, gone, done. It's just nuts. So my, my mission, I get really frustrated because everyone always yeah. thinks they've got tomorrow at whatever age they're at. Yes to all of that. But the real cost, and Adam, I'm going to like, this is poison, is when you say tomorrow, the real impact of that is you now experience yourself as weak. Mm. Like you, you have just, like you said, okay, no, tomorrow. And now you're listening. The way you see yourself is as a tomorrow person. Like you have just impacted not only that. Now you think you're like, okay, well, I didn't do that because I'm afraid. So you've acknowledged that. You've, you've owned fear as your own thing. And now I'm, I'm a person who's afraid. And that ripple effect shows up everywhere in your life. Like I said no to my big thing. So who am I for my wife or my partner? Who am I for my children? Who am I for my job? I'm now weak. And not weak as a judgment or as a make wrong. There is like, when I say tomorrow, I now experience myself as someone who puts things off. And the integrity of me as a powerful person, as a powerful man is gone. And so it's not in the like, like it is like, chances are many people will die tomorrow. Many people will die today. But the worst part is that many of us will live for a very long time. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> in a disempowered state. And it all comes from these micro decisions where it's like, uh, people that use their their relationships as as a victim way like i can't do that because of my wife yeah oh well, I, now, I hate it when people blame their wife and kids and all that sort of stuff that's yeah very frustrating but the impact is now they think that they're not strong enough to actually enroll their partner in something that they believe in and now they've put the ownership on their wife and so three years of doing that now they resent their wife and they have no idea why and so the journey part of every man's mission is actually about understanding how to be in an unknown circumstance, how to be at odds that are not in your favor and how to, like how to be in that because you can, you know, be, have a firm foundation. You can know your mission, but it's actually when you take the first step, that's when it begins. And it's getting really comfortable with being uncomfortable and yeah. knowing that, that you can say yes to something that you have no clue how to do, but on the way you will become the person you need to be. That for me is like, you know, I would say the, the linchpin of something is like to not choose missions or goals that you're capable of doing right now or just for the sake of accomplishing the goal, but choose something that if you actually did it, you would have to become a different person to do it. And that is like that it's, it's where breakthroughs happen. It's mm. when people grow. It's when you take on something that you cannot do right now and you become the man capable of actually accomplishing that. Yeah, but we often don't take that on because we go right now. I'm not enough. I'm thinking already of the, the power of deadlines, and that's the link to that. And you, you literally, it could be something small or like huge where you just set right. This is the of it. This is you put the pin in the map. That's what you can do, and you clearly know, like you say, you are not that person who can do 
that <laughs> thing in the future. <laughs> so crap, you're, you're, you're committed now. You better do it or you better do the steps and become that person, become that man quick exactly. as possible. Exactly. Ooh, wow. Well, man, this time has just flown. We can just dive into the alpha round. What is really one of your daily, if not daily, you know, very regular habits that you do that if you don't do, for whatever reason, you, you, you're not having the best day? Yeah. And it's something that, I mean, I wish I had known this my entire life, but it's, it's, it sounds so simple, but it's so impossibly powerful and it's authenticity. Any time that I'm not showing up in an authentic way or I'm pretending to be another way than I currently am, it's like it's a foolproof mechanism to make me feel like a fraud. Mm. And so if I like I'm not having a conversation that I need to have with my partner or I'm holding something on my clients or I'm holding something like energetically on people in my life, that becomes tension that is just like energy draining. And so one thing that I do is I constantly check in and I go like, okay, like, where am I not living authentically? Where am I not having the conversation I need to have? Where am I not choosing to be powerful in my life and be, show up powerfully around me? It's really, really simple. It's like have bold conversations about truthful things. And it can literally free you of everything that you're, you're dealing with right now. Is there a particular book or a couple of books that you recommend? Yeah. So the thing that started my journey was a book called uh, The Untethered Soul by Michael A. Singer. And it's such a, it's such an unknown gem. And I'll sum it up really quickly. Everybody talks about the little voice in their head. They're like, oh, the little voice did this and the little voice did that. It's a book that actually talks about how to separate the little voice from you. And to almost relate to your little voice, like it's not you, it's like a roommate. And we often listen to the little voice as if it's true. We listen to it for financial advice, we listen to it for relationship advice, listen to it for like who we are, but it's you. It's not like a financial expert, it's not something. And if, and if we actually listen to it, like we really like checked in, if it was a roommate that was like, you're fat, you're stupid, you're, you're gonna fail, we wouldn't keep inviting that person over. <laughs> That's and, a good point, yeah. <laughs> and yet when we have this like little voice that we assume is us, we will have the same conversation with ourselves for up to like, you know, 50 years for some people. And what it fundamentally changed my life when I was like, oh, the voice isn't me. It's like, it's fear trying to remind me of something that I've made up is really dangerous because I've got this mechanism that's supposed to protect me from lions and tigers and bears, which aren't actually trying to kill me. So now it's trying to find all these things that in the world to be afraid of. And it's just spinning its wheel trying to self-prove itself. Yeah. Is there a particular quote that either really resonates with you or you like to live your life by or it's just an all-time favorite for you? So the one that I said, and I won't, uh, would be a mission is a concentration of power. Um, and I feel like I made it up somewhere, but I, it, I got it from somewhere and either made it up or someone else did. But the thing that I live my life by is a declaration and it's everything that I want in life is a life filled with love and love filled with life. And it is that like, if, if I'm not loving everything in my life, I'm doing something wrong. And if the love that I have isn't filled with life and excitement and joy, I'm doing something wrong. And so it's kind of that, that pinnacle, like everything should feel like a 10. And if it doesn't feel like a 10, it's my responsibility to get it there. When you think of Awaken Your Alpha, who from your network do you think, ooh, this fits them or they would be good on this or they could give some value or that, you know, that we need to hear from them? Yeah, um, the first one is like my absolute best friend, Nathan Stewart, and he runs um, an amazing podcast as well. And his big mission is to end male suicide in New Zealand. And he is just such a commitment that men get to have authentic conversation 
mm. um, get to deal with whatever is going on underneath and that suicide is never the option. What would you say is, um, you would consider it one of your biggest failures, either you didn't handle it as well as you could do, or it just, you know, it just went, it went pear shaped. <laughs> um, uh, my first marriage. <laughs> Like I didn't me. even you did, I didn't even know that. <laughs> you snuck that yeah. in, yeah. And okay. I've never like, I'm I'm not married again, but um, I we were really young and we loved the idea of each other, mm -hmm. but to be honest, we didn't communicate. And it was like we're both amazing people, but just what we both wanted was just fundamentally not aligned at all. And for years, we just tried to make it work, and it was um, you know, it's like trying to put in two different sized gears and saying work, and from that relationship, I really, really learned the value of like just being true and being mm. like, it either doesn't work, so let's do something about that, or it doesn't work, so let's actually leave and go find the people or go find the circumstance that really does serve us. But I, I blew it all the way down to it went pear shaped because we just didn't talk. We yeah. were like, everything's good. But meanwhile, we're like, oh my God, this sucks. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you know as well now, I'm writing the Awaken Your Alpha book this year. And I've got over 200 interviews to pull from. And I'm putting literally 25 of them in, in the book, mm. in the right sections. You're going in. I'm going to make this. I've actually loved it. I did say the interview was going to be half an hour. We're at about 50 minutes now. What, what's next for you? And what's the best way people can connect? Yeah. So what's next is uh, the program I was, I was talking about, which is called The Mission Within. It's really about helping people find their mission, regardless of where they are. So predominantly, um, I'll go in and I'll work with a company and I'll have every single person in the company find a mission. And if that mission aligns with the company, they, are, they stay in and they're super empowered. And if not, then they leave. And so what you get is a 100% committed team. And so we're doing that also with veterans. So um, one of my passion projects is having veterans find missions outside the uniform. And so the mission within is um, it's a two day workshop that we run with uh, individuals, with companies and veterans as well. Um, so that's like the big passion project I'm yeah. really excited about. And the second one is this catalyst program, which is um, if you've ever seen the $6 million man. So we have developed a program that is literally like uh, no holds barred. You're working with a Navy SEAL commander. You're working with a spiritual guru. Uh, you're working. We're going to Tibet. We're going to climb mountains. And it is like, there's no budget. It's, it's off the charts. And it is just, uh, that's something that I'm just personally excited about. Wow. It's, it's super, it's, <laughs> and it's, someone else. Wow. That sounds, that sounds it's, brilliant. It's, it's superhero training. That is for the man who's like, okay, I've, I've got everything. And I just know that there's so much more in the tank and I don't know how to let it out. If people want to find me, they can find me on Facebook, either uh, through James G. Butler. They can also check out reclaimingwarrior.com. Closing up. What do you think is, um, Almost the consequences, if, if men are listening to this, of not having a mission and where people go wrong. And, you know, because there'll probably be people thinking like, well, I'm good. I don't really have a yeah. mission. I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm good. I'm like, you know, that kind of thing. Why it is so important and where people go wrong? Everything exists in two states. It grows or it dies. And when people say they're good, their body goes into, like their body physically goes into a state of slowly dying. It's like opening a pot really slowly. It doesn't explode, but it just kind of fizzles out. And so the experience of their life and also their bodies starts to fade. And so um, I believe that that comment of I'm good is actually uh, protection. It's like, I don't think I can, I'm not the person. And I get to be a victim and just say, there's nothing more for me, like this is me. And I just call bullshit. Um, because if you're ever walking down the street and you see anybody else in pain, there's no reason why your life is just good. 
Like it, it just, until everybody on this earth is prosperous, happy and, and complete, you are not done. I, I think that there's two types of people. There's people that work really hard and they call that the grind. And there's people that work really hard and they call that the flow. And people that are on mission, their hard work feels like flow because they're moving so much forward towards mm. their mission. And they know that when they accomplish that, like extraordinary things are going to happen. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Also head over to Facebook, Awaken Your Alpha with ALW to join a great group of men in there. Do the little guy a favor, subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back.